guys, welcome to Cold Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets, and we see if they still hold up. Tonight, grab your flamethrowers, find someone special, and try not to get the creeps. Because we're talking about Night of the Creeps. So let's just start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Alright guys, so tonight we are talking about Night of the Creeps, but before we get to that, I do want to say, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or and leave a comment. We will give a shout-out to you at the end of the show. It really helps us out. We do the show for free for you guys every week, and if you want to pay us, the easiest way you can do it is just by going and filling out a review. I'll take a, I'll take a good old pay it forward. Pay it forward. Yeah. Pay it forward. What is that like a sticky note or something? Yeah, it's a, it's a review. Note? That's how they pay it forward. It's like here, open they can it. pay it forward by uh, reviewing, and we put it on our next episode. Gotcha. There you go. If you're wondering who is talking right now, I am always joined by Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Willenbrecht. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salucio. Hey, everybody. We are talking about Night of the Creeps. It was directed by Fred Decker, came out in 1986, had a budget of $5 million, made about close to around $600,000. Uh, it was filmed in the U.S., has a rating of R, and currently six of the 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. If you guys don't know what this film is about, a fraternity, fraternity pledges pull a prank with a frozen body and let slug-like creatures loose on the college campus. Slug-like. Slug-like. They were definitely slugs. Cody, why'd you pick this movie? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, This is what I would consider a quintessential Cody film. It has what I love in films. Yeah, but this film is beloved by people. Yeah, I know. It's odd, right? That is weird. Yeah. It's one of the ones that What are you trying to say there, Mike? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That I usually love. Connect the dots He's trying to say I usually love terrible films, but like this- when it was released, it was considered a terrible film because people, I don't think, got it. As are most movies on our show. Yeah. Like, I don't think people got it. And this is one that, I mean, it has, like, if you know me, you know I love 80s movies. Not only do I love 80s movies, but I love, like, the quintessential 80s bad guy with this movie has. Like, the you know. Um, so, so you had seen this film before. Yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely. No, so is there anyone here who hadn't seen this movie before, though? I hadn't. This is my first time yeah. viewing it. Your first watch through for this movie. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't seen it either. Had, did you have any preconceived notions going into it? Or um, I knew a little bit about it. You know, I, I definitely knew it was, well, I, I obviously knew it was a horror movie, and it was one I always heard people talking about, and it was one that I always said, hey, you know what? I need to watch this movie. I keep hearing, I'll get to hearing it. the rumblings, but again, yes, just like you guys have the I, I'll get to it films. I have a quite the large collection of I'll get to it that I never do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd never seen this either. What? Yep. I'm, Are you what? kidding? That me? actually I'm, blows I'm, me away. I'm a I'm a bit ashamed of it actually. You should uh, be. You know, because you know, and 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 just going to your your normal second question, my preconceived notion was not what I got. I was surprised by the film. So really, yeah. 
Why? Why would you go into it? Do you think it was like a? You didn't watch any trailers for it beforehand, or like I didn't no read about no. it. Or? I mean, look, I, I I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of things from it, imagery from it, yeah, but not enough to really give me a clear idea of what the film was. Um, I know uh, zombies are 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 constantly associated with this film, so in my brain, I thought a different style of film, um, yeah. and. And so I was uh, um, surprised by by the the mood and the tone of the film. Yeah, I mean, I did watch a trailer before I watched it. You know. Yeah. And I I it, I was I I was and I looked up I I when I googled it I did like an image search just to see see, see some stills from the film and I was intrigued to say the least because I mean I to Chris's point you know I saw zombies in it and I was like okay so this is kind of a zombie thing and then. One of the still images is was one of the aliens aboard the spaceship, and I'm like, "What's happening here?" <laughs> okay, okay, is this the same film? Is this the same film? Right. Okay, <laughs> you thought you got SWAT, you got the wrong rental or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, Mike, have you seen it? I had not seen it, and for the same what? reasons that I I, I want to say with Kyle and Chris, like there was a part of me that was kind of like it was one of these films where like I knew I knew it was a a cult a cult favorite. Like I knew people that I had heard people talk about the film, but I thought it was a uh, what I guess would be a standard uh, zombie kind of kind of film, and uh, I was all zombied out. Mm-hmm. I've been zombied out over the last eight years, so, so I was just so like, is I the rest of the world, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I couldn't bother to be. I was like, well, I don't, do I want to watch an '80s zombie film? But you know what? Same thing with these two guys. I'm going to say, and we'll get to this later. But I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw instead. Did, so were you guys kind of going in, into it with more of like like a Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead? Like no, I not not know. so much. No, I but you see, thought I, like more of a serious tone, maybe. No, I I definitely didn't think there'd be a serious tone based on just just based the on the still image of the alien, like the alien puppetry. Like I just saw, him. I like it was done well. It looked cool. But I, I didn't look at that and think to myself, okay, this is going to be kind of like, this will be like a serious toned horror film because it's a puppet, a latex body, little alien. Like, it's got a goofy look to it. So at the very least, I was like, you know, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it would be probably in the same caliber as, and maybe it is to a certain degree, but like a Night of the Demons kind of feel. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So... A little um, more serious towards, like, you know, a funny start and then gets more serious. Yeah, I mean, there's this campiness to Night of the Demons, of course, but mm-hmm. I feel like it does take more of, like, a, a horror, kind, you know, a yeah. hard horror yeah. kind of thing going on. Maybe it was intentionally bad, but or not unintentionally bad, I mean, but, like, um, this one I thought would be more in that that same kind of mood, I guess. The same, the same um, I don't know what the tone. fuck I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, just the same tone. So, yeah, when I saw the poster... Yeah, of uh, the uh, guy in the tuxedo, um, he's like a zombie. He's like sitting at a window or something like that. Yeah, um, I I I took this for uh, <laughs> my boyfriend's back, like that nineties. <laughs> yeah, no, I own that or like movie. an idle hands or some shit like that. Yeah. Like something. I really thought it, I definitely knew it was going to be like okay, this is going to be like a comedy. It's going to be like a teen comedy, but like at the same time, it's going to be. Um, like a horror film, but here's the other thing. I also thought like I was surprised when I was like, oh, it's rated R. Like I, when I. When yeah. I initially thought about it, I was like, oh, this is like probably like a PG-13, right. like a PG movie, mm-hmm. maybe because it's the 80s. But, you know, like I didn't expect to see what I saw. I really thought it was going to be 
some lighthearted, almost like something you could show your kids. The cover art does look a little comedic. I, yeah. I'm so glad you brought up the poster art, actually, because I saw it in the very first thing I thought was, is this the cover for a Fear Street novel? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. This isn't the movie. Let's see. what. Let me keep looking at other pictures. I'm like, no, that's it. <laughs> All right. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Night of the Creeps. I tracked him and I found him. And when I found him, I leveled off that shotgun right at his chest. Spanky, guess what happened next? Should you be telling me this? Close. I pulled the trigger. That's all real exciting and everything, but listen, I've got a midterm. I wrapped his body in a plastic bag. I buried him in a vacant lot. The lot right behind your girlfriend's sorority. Of course, it isn't a vacant lot anymore. Now the house mother's cottage is sitting right on top of it. Look, detective. Now, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but other than just kind of wanting to confess to a murder, is there a point to this story? Spanky. That's exactly what I'm trying to figure out. But I don't even feel like I should ask this question because I feel like everybody knows the answer is a universal yes. And if you don't, fight but is this a cold film yes what makes it a cold film well i want to know what you guys think makes it a cold film because you haven't seen it yet you know what i like just on my first viewing i love how the director um paid homage to the tone and style of previous cult films and the whole that then if you just look at the whole aspect of how the slugs get into you which is like fucking fired through your mouth and like there's just so much weirdness and wackiness to it that that helps repel it as well but i feel like this film this film exists to prop up 50s uh b movies and kind of pay homage to those 50 b movies while still creating its own unique style and its own unique uh elements yeah what about you chris yeah i i I could see it being you know a a cult film I, i know it is i mean you know it's pretty heavily uh admired by at least the horror community um, and I think what makes it a cult film, yeah, is, is, well, it kind of has this whole, like, I mean, yeah, they're in college, but it kind of has like a teen story to it. Yeah. Um, a lot of the colors are very oversaturated, the set design. Yeah. Like the, 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 the effects, you know, are, are, are really kind of well done, but you can tell their effects. It's just, there's so many things about the film that, make it sort of in a world of its own. And also, I did have a question. Is this film done by the same guy who did The Monster Squad? Yes, it is. Sure okay, is. well, it has a Monster Squad kind of vibe to it, mm-hmm. which I love, and I think maybe that kind of adds to it. He, you, he, he's able to create that world. You brought up something I want. Maybe we can touch on it later on in the podcast, but, dude, the colors in this fucking movie. Holy Christ, Ooh. do they pop. The colors, Duke. Oh, my God. It's that's, so lighting. I feel so like so with Monster Squad, like... When I remember that film, I remember everything being. It didn't strike me though when I watched that one for some reason. Really? But this one, this I do one, remember like that film being. There were like, so many colorful. scenes where, and it probably was. Maybe I just wasn't looking or something. But it's just like in this one, it just it just smacked me in the face. Like I couldn't look away. It was like everything is so saturated. 
and so bright and so contrasty. It's just it was it was gorgeous to look at. He went more like Hen and Lauder, like Frankenhooker mm-hmm. colors. Like I feel like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, very oversaturated, very direct. You can see distinct differences, like the background's blue and in the hallways orange, and in this area's yeah. green. And you know, but it's not like it's not. I, I never once felt like it was a, a distracting no. palette of it color. Blends. It was just so vibrant, right? I feel like even right down to that, <laughs> the boyfriend's uh, blonde hair, which is clearly oh, not as blonde. Right. <laughs> like, like they hair? really want to make Brad blonde. Yeah, they did. They want to make him Aryan as fuck. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Aryan as do, fuck. That's saying, a quote. Do you think that this is a Colville, Mike? Of course I do. I mean, other than than the the obvious reputation that it has. Um, uh, going into it, I knew that that of that reputation. Um, but watching it, as soon as I, st- I mean, the first fucking scene, I was just like, "Yep, get it." Like, I mean, immediately, I was like, <laughs> yeah. "All right, there it's it so is." So true, and that and that is an interesting way to start this film because the film is not at all about aliens. No, but you open with a whole sequence of you know, with these like three aliens. One's trying to throw out what this capsule of right. what I would imagine some kind of infection. I imagine it was the slugs. Yeah, yeah. They said it was okay, an ex- so they said it was an experiment l- that can't leave the ship. Dude, yeah. So you're like, and that caught me off guard too, especially not knowing anything really about the the movie, like in detail. I'm like, what the fuck is this start yeah. with aliens for? Yeah. And then you know the way it transitions into what 1959 or was it 19 something like that 1958? Like 50s. Black yeah. and white, and I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be a fucking black and white movie, and then it fucking transitions into like the 80s, yeah, which is 1986 I love it. Yeah, well, yeah I love fr- that as well. From what I hear, actually, Fred Decker actually did want to shoot the whole thing black and white. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad yeah, he didn't too. either because it, because it would have taken. I feel like if you shot the whole thing black and white, you would have completely taken away from the '50s story at the beginning of the film, and that black and white helps put you. It just transports you even more into that mm-hmm. era and reminds you, like pound fucking punches you in the face. It reminds you that hey, this is this is in the past, and now we're gonna hit 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 the future. And on top of that. Doing it in black and white, that whole segment feels like it's a fucking short film from the fifties. It exactly. could completely yeah. exist on its own. And if it was his goal to to do a throwback, like he got both. He got a kind of a slasher zombie film, but he also got like a throwback to like this like, B sci fi film. No, that's right. a, yeah, that was huge influence in in making this film for him. Is like he was saying that he's like I have all this, you know basically uses knowledge of all these like sci-fi and B movies and stuff like that in my head. Like I was trying to write a script and it was just like letting that basically out of the box. Yeah. It opens up with just, um, Chris and JC coming down the sorority row and just instantly how lovable those characters are. Oh, I know are. they're dialogue. Instantly. It is. It's true. It's true. Just like the shit they're talking about and the way they're bantering back and forth. It feels real. It feels like these two have known each other forever. Yeah, and then like, um, and then uh, what's uh, uh, Sithany? Uh, oh my god, why? I, am I... I, I'm gonna jump in real quick. Go ahead. I go. I I I feel like the those two relationship. I feel like it's kind of like a roller coaster for me because at first I thought, hey, they're they're likable. They're talking about some shit. Now it's really relatable characters. But as the film progressed, there are scenes where I'm just like, their friendship feels so forced. Like it doesn't feel natural in this one scene. But then it goes back to a different scene and it's like it's like looking at you know two best friends hanging out 
And it changes. Like I feel like their tone changes throughout. So I wasn't completely sold the entire time. I, I'd be but int- I love them both individually I as think, characters. I'd be interested to know what scenes you felt like they weren't, uh, that were, or where they felt disconnected as yeah. friends. Because I didn't. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever felt that. I want. I, I will. I will say something to to Kyle's defense. I I did feel like um, their characters do fall into. What seemed to be a uh, like a like a common '80s trope, totally of like, okay, here's like the nice guy, like he's super shy and stuff like that. But he's like, like people don't hate him, but they love him. And then he has his friend who is like like Styles from Teen Wolf, like right. the big guy that like he's a, he's a quick talker. He doesn't Kinda, get the girls and stuff like that, but he'll he'll talk shit to the popular guys. Right. And he also reminded me of yeah. um, of. Um, Dude from Fright Night. Oh, uh, uh, um, Ed. Ed. Yeah, Evil Ed. He reminded me of him a little bit but, too. But but yeah. J- JC also gives a speech about it in the movie though, where he's like, "I can't get girls, like, so I live vicariously well, there, through there you." Well, there is that and... added thing that has. I mean that that that's not an excuse for people like Styles and these other '80s movies. Yeah, like those guys are just like apparently they're nerds. But nerds with a quick mouth, kind of thing. Well, yeah, you know? I, I think that that's but this that, guy, yeah, that style of comedy is definitely in the eighties. Like so that prevalent. that banter oh, back and forth between yeah. those two different types. Like you've, we've seen that, uh, you know, fifty times. That's, probably. that's what Cody's defense. He, they they give him a reason. Yeah, which is he has this handicap no. where he can't use his legs, and he he's looking at this as like, look, I can't ever, you know, I I may never, which is kind of ridiculous. But I mean, he, he's basically kind of like, I may never be with a woman. Um, so I'm going to live vicariously through you right. by trying to get you a woman. Right. You know? Right. Which I like. I don't know if we want to get that far into the movie yet, but I, you know, where that goes, that relationship, I like that, that whole speech. Oh yeah. No, it's, 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 it's all good. Like, um, even, uh, Joe, Joe Withlow, uh, she played, um, oh my God, it's right in front of me here. Uh, Cynthia, she played Cynthia, the love interest. Yeah. She's awesome. Uh, you disagree? Mm. Uh, she's my least favorite character in this whole movie. What? Except yeah. for the very end. Yeah, at the end, she gets. She definitely. She definitely had, like her character. Maybe just because she's holding the flamethrower makes her seem more badass, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like the character, like I don't know, man. She was just. She was never hitting like hitting hard on any particular point. She was just like flatlined for me. Like yeah. she was just kind of like, eh, I agree. she's just a love interest kind of a thing. I, I will agree with both of you guys. I, I found her character to be boring. She didn't really. Could have been anybody. Do, do, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I will say something about this actress. Um, she has a real wholesome look to you. I mean, she's very easy on the eyes. That's to be the sh- no doubt, you know. Right. But there is something about her that is very like. No doubt. No, doubt, no, I mean, did anybody did anybody find <laughs> no, her? I like, just, no, I was just laughing at your, your I think descriptor. She's, I think she, she's like a quintessential '80s girl. Yeah, she absolutely. But like, yeah. She, she really like when I when I, first, I and I recognize and I couldn't figure out where I recognized her from, and then I realized afterwards she, she's from she's in Weird Science as yeah. well. Oh, she was in Weird Science she's a year the before this film. Le- Weird Science, and I I I knew her from my youth. Like I was like, okay, I remember this girl. Mm. But like, she does she she just has a look that like really encapsulates. The 80s. That 80s girl, like yeah. that girl next door, Kinda like, like the that everybody girl. wanted. And... <laughs> the mall girl, the blonde mall girl. Yeah, yeah but more like the wholesome the one, one, like the one that would never say anything mean to you, 
the one that's dating that horrible the boyfriend. The biggest asshole known yeah. to man. And that's exactly Brad. what this film is. Well, they wanted her to be, I think, see, come off a bit naive, you know, but she really, she had some smarts because she, she was did. like, she's like, because she, ba- you know, she. I like that she stood up to, to Brad. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a good part of her character for sure. They didn't just make her the typical like, oh, I'll find out at the end that I'm, you know, no, she kind of, she kind of makes that tr- transition all the way through the film to where she's like, no, I'm going to start hanging out with these guys over here because, you know, they, the, you know, they treat me normally and I can be myself. Whereas around Brad, I have to, you know, play up to his ego or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that arc of hers, but her as an actress, I felt she was so fucking cardboard. She could have been anybody. You're absolutely right. Oh, I, I don't know. Well, I think her. Yeah, I mean, I think you like her character, but I don't know. From an acting standpoint, I mean, it was nothing. She's just nothing as everybody else. My except for uh, no one's better than. Uh, come on, everybody's. If, if I have to ask this question, and it's not. <laughs> F- fucking Tom Atkins in this movie, then I, I I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> What's the question? Who's your favorite actor in this film? <laughs> well, oh, we can man. get to we can get to that. Yeah, are we really jumping into that now. No, I was we saying, gotta tell the story that. a little bit. I feel like so we got one of our tangents again, as we usually do, is talking about it. But so you, yeah, we're back on 1986. We're on Sorority Row. We got the two losers coming down the street, but they're lovable losers, which is great. And they see Cynthia, who is the quintessential 80s girl, across the way. Obviously, shy guy can't talk to her. You know, uh, non-shy guy, JC, mm-hmm. can. And and screams at her, which right. is hilarious. And then they end up inside that, that uh, fraternity. Yeah, right? yeah. I, that fraternity. Well, they decide that they're, the only way they're going to get to uh, Cynthia is by fucking... Is by going and trying to join this frat, right? And then they get challenged to uh, to, to to go get a de- basically say, get a dead body and pull well, a prank. Yeah, go get a dead body, put it on the steps of Which, something. What, do colleges have morgues? Is this a yeah, thing? They yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Oh, I didn't yeah, nursing, know that. If there's like a nursing school there, yeah, I really yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, oh, that's kind of creepy. But you know what? Regardless. Who the fuck says that's your challenge? Hey, no, the no, come yeah. on. His, his, the way they set it up, though. His setup, no, his question first was better than that. We, we don't have any, have any sex with any animals, do we? Like, <laughs> no, but I no. like where your head's at. <laughs> like, so good. Like, yeah, what could be worse than that? We'll go get a dead body and then throw it on the lawn of someone. The, yeah. ru- the rival they, frat. That's a pretty hardcore on, prank. Yeah, yeah that's, that's like, fucking hard. Which I like. I mean, because it's like, oh yeah. It. I mean, I like the oh, fact yeah? that they would oh, say right. that. Chris, if you want to stay in the podcast, yeah, go get a body and throw it on Mike's doorstep. There you go. Well, oh. keep it. Keep in mind though that the pl- they were throwing this outlandish reason because they had they didn't think they were going to be able to do it. No, I understand that. They, they even make a point to say afterwards, like, right? But you think still, he's, are we going to let him in? If they actually pull. He's like, if, even if they pull this off by some miracle, no, we're not going to let him the uh, fuck in. Obviously, but it's still ridiculous. Right. What I'm saying is, I think that they were doing that purposely to make it ridiculous. Right. Right. Yes, I know that. I agree. Yeah. Like, but you we know, could still say... become astronauts and then fly to the moon, <laughs> be the second men on the moon. Well, they'd be like fit, and then we'll let you into the frat. Right. Which would have been a really, a so really they get different to the movie. Morgan, a very different and, movie. and they they freak the fuck out and they run out. But well, what do they see? Why why do they freak out? Because they see a body that was cryo frozen, Chris. From when? 1950s? Yeah. Oh, full circle. Oh, shit. Boom. Full circles from the beginning of the but, film to now. What they do is they let the they let the dead body out. 
Yeah, dude. Who like see that's that's the one thing I do hate about goddamn because it has to happen in movies. And of course, you're saying it the whole time. You're like, why would you do? Why would you touch the button? You know what? Why would you just touch the button? So the way that this goes, you you know, you know, you know damn well you don't touch buttons. I would kick you out of my friend. You touch that fucking button, Chris. I'd kick you out of my friend's circle so quick. Like sorry. Before or after we had to save the whole town. (laughs) After, obviously. The way that whole scene goes down (laughs) with how they let this thing out. I did have a problem with that. It was so forced. forced. It is. Like, they could have done a a number of things. Like, maybe he falls into the switch, or, I mean, it could have been a slapstick thing. Could have been Mm -hmm. any. It would have worked within the confines of this film, the tone of this film. Mm -hmm. But instead, it's like this guy who is like the smarter of the two guys, right? I mean, like, I got the idea that JC was. A little bit more street smart yeah. than than whatever. He's it's kind also, of a loose cannon, though. Yeah, but he's also a guy that can't that sees a red button that says, "Hey, let this fucking dead body unfold this dead body." He goes, "Hey, let's do this." Well, his reasoning <laughs> for it is because where do you see any other fucking dead bodies around, Mike? No, you just see nothing but computers. Purple computer, purple and red computers. Well, what does that have to do with anything? That's because that's what he was saying. Like they were in the morgue, but there's only one body, so we have to take this one. Like that's why he released it. There was no other option. There was no other option. I mean, I guess it's it still feels like if you walk in I mean, there and you're walking it is a convenient into a plot. morgue, and 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 it turns out to be, uh, you know, like the goddamn tyrant from fucking Resident Evil and a goddamn like beaker, giant beaker. <laughs> like I'm not letting it out. I'm like, you know what? This seems a lot more important than your average dead body yeah, on a slab. Yeah, yeah you're you right. Know? You're right. It seemed way more run, important. Run-of-the-mill exactly. mi- run slab yeah. body. Yeah. Well, I have a, a strange <laughs> feeling that if they froze this thing, it could come alive like, you know, maybe Demolition Man. Maybe this is Phoenix from Demolition I mean, Man. Like, this probably costs a lot of money. Uh, I'm going to go check around and see if I can find like a right. room with just regular bodies. The moment I'm doing that, I'm like, okay, maybe this is not the right spot. Right, right. Yeah. We're, we're but, well, I mean, if it, I mean, you think they would have had a little bit of better th- security? Yeah, right? What was it? Just, well, they had, the ama- combination. They, had, they had amazing security. Just one guy couldn't remember the goddamn combination, yeah. and they just got lucky and pressed fucking zero. Yeah, the goddamn door opens like that. Pit that annoyed the shit out of me because that's just so like, what's the combination? I can't remember the last number. Like, why does the keypad still have it pre-programmed in? Yeah, I know any Weird. other keypad I've ever used. It's like boop boop. What's the last one? Ah, uh, just fucking reset on me. Start over from the top. Boop. But you then know. again, this is the '80s. They didn't have resets like that. Yeah. They, they certainly yeah. did. Technology they wasn't certainly around. Did. They had cryogenics. Oh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> <They're> gonna, <laughs> yeah. No, but they, they had cryogenics. Program after thirty they seconds. They had cryogenics in the fifties, yeah. mind you, because that body's from the fifties. Well, you know but what? They don't have the reset. Hey, I saw Captain America. Uh, and uh, that's exactly what happens. No, that's he exactly gets it what happens. Frozen in, in ice. Forties. Yeah, figured this it's like, out. yeah, they figured yeah, out in the forties. You frozen put in Antarctica. Yeah. What? You get frozen in the yeah, ice. They took that ice and they made him in a cryogenic thing. Yeah. They just thought it. You know what? Fuck you, Kyle. He made a super soldier for <laughs> Christ's sakes. All right. <laughs> what are <laughs> we even arguing? Like I don't anyway. even know what the what the what is. Don't the... worry. This is just between me and Mike. Oh, okay. This is about Captain America lore. <laughs> gotcha. It's very important, Chris. Give it the program. Get with it. Well, so the body falls out, right? And then yeah. they just run off. Yeah. yeah. Which, is kinda, one... which is kind of weird because didn't they kind of know that was going to happen? Like, you... what? The body was going to walk? No, you don't think a body oh, was going to no, walk. No, you didn't know it was going to gra- walk. It, well, but... But let's, to be fair, it grabs his hand. It grabs him. Yeah. Right. And that that's what, I mean, that yeah. would fuck I mean, I don't think anybody would have expected yeah. that to You're happen. You're going to hang around? <laughs> oh, what's up, bro? Oh, you want to know how I've been frozen for years? I feel like I'd expect anything if I walked into that room. What? You're out of control. Jeez, looks, get out of here. There's yeah. nothing natural about anything going on in there. Oh, my God. 
This body, you know, look at all these, look at all these blinking lights. This body's gonna just jump right to life like, and start I like dancing. Like, I, I think walking in that room, I would expect anything. I mean, if it turns into a zombie, I'm so, I'm holding fast. Yeah, I'm still there. <laughs> I'm gonna I watch this happen. You. I'm gonna stare that motherfucking zombie down and be like, "Yo, eat this brain." <laughs> What yeah. you gonna do? <laughs> You're too brave, Chris. You know? Yeah, you need to pump the brakes there. Life's <laughs> I've seen, short. I've seen a few movies, you know. You're just then, put a fucking leash on them. Then we get, <laughs> then we get the uh, we get the we get the dream sequence right right after that. Yeah, from uh, our good old. Uh, we meet our hero. Our hero. Our hero of the, of the film. Which is Tom Atkins, which again I will say is plays a cop once again. Yeah, man, dude, is he, he typecast or what? Yeah. He didn't play. He didn't play a cop in uh, Halloween three. No, but he was we a all, doctor. We all no. thought he felt like a cop yeah. anyway. <laughs> he, was, he was a quintessential doctor cop yeah. with <laughs> a gun from such movies as The a Beyond. Detective cop or a detective doctor. <laughs> the Beyond doctor. You're yeah. right. Doctor cop. Doctor. Ray-, <laughs> Ray Cameron is such a weird character. It's uh, no, he's not weird. He's great. He's awesome. He's amazing. He's fucking great. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if he ever played a cop role, this is my favorite cop role that he's ever played. I would agree. Like, I mean, he has played cop roles, but this is the most memorable to me at this point. All right, point. I'm just gonna say something oh, here. There we go. All right, not gonna be popular in this room. <laughs> Apparently not. You know what? I liked everything about his character except for his incessant need to use weird names to describe people like it was some kind of running joke <laughs> but the running joke was only with him like n- nobody else seemed like <laughs> that's that's old detective there everybody was just kind of like what no one likes him because he's an old angry drunk like, bit, yeah he'd walk in the room and he got fucking all this is Tweedledee where's Tweedledom like what the fuck are you talking about you cop what are you yeah that's what's great about him dude he's he's he seen everything say that. he didn't say that. he said he said oh, oh Rip, Rip Van Winkle and yeah he said get up he and go said, to the Pretty much that. You have a date, you know, like everything was a one liner. It was which, great, which um, he delivers perfectly. <laughs> so, no. so I, I taught I, when Kyle came downstairs when I was watching the film, and uh, I told him this is what I said about those scenes. I, I said, you know what, this this feels like a scene from Airplane, the movie Airplane. Yes, you yeah. nailed All it. of them seem like films from the movie Airplane, and then. I was like, wait a second, isn't Airplane based off a fucking like disaster fucking movie? And it is. It's based on a movie called Zero Hour. Same fucking script. It's 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 a serious film though about a plane that like people get stuck on the plane, think the thing might crash, right? So then I started thinking about it, I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe this is this is completely accurate. That like if that film is based on is, is an over overdoing of a, an earlier 1957 film or whatever about a disaster film, maybe he's taking that scene from those types of films as well, and maybe he maybe that is a common you know trope from those types of films that he's he's just doing really well. <laughs> like yeah. it's hard to I understand where you're coming from, kind of like a hundred percent. Like Tom Atkins, right. like it's it that whole scene when he walks in, he's talking to everybody. It's a mile a minute. Right, like he's got a name for everybody. He's walking in yeah. there. He's I got guess a, he's got a quick comment every single time. I, Nothing seems natural. Exactly, and maybe yeah. maybe that's that is just my core issue. I feel like every other character with their weird, over the top kind of personality personalities and their kind of classic typecasty '80s personalities fit and exist in this film very nicely. And his character just comes plowing through like a goddamn freight train, and it's like. 
It's like, where is this tone and mood and performance coming from? I feel like even his car even says it, though, too, is like Dragnet. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like Another, that, another 1950s well, I don't, yeah, series. That, that, but that's what he's paying homage to, the right. writer's paying homage to, yeah. so it makes sense. I like, mean, maybe he was, I think that that might be the case, is that he was just trying to spoof and over-exaggerate yeah. right. like this, that type of acting. Right. Yeah, but the, I you know, I feel like you get this from other characters too. You get this a lot from JC. It's a similar type of quick-witted like comedy. And then like and then even with even with Chris, I would say he's got a couple lines in there as well. Like when he goes, "Do you even know the difference between the two, you know, Greek houses or whatever?" And he's like, "Oh, it's all Greek to me." It's like, you know what I mean? It's just too perfectly right, set but, up. But what was, for yeah. but what was great, great about that scene is that it was perfectly set up, and the joke falls within the context of the conversation really well. Whereas Tom Hackins rolls in. And it's like, did this guy just step out of a goddamn time machine from the fucking 50s? Like, fast-talking 50s detective? He obviously grew up in the 50s. There's a whole flashback scene with him and his girlfriend who gets hacked to pieces. I'm I'm just saying that, in in my opinion, it it was the one thing that just kind of stood out in a film that where everything else seemed to just fit together very nicely for me. Yeah, okay. You're talking about Chris's good lines, too. His other one that I really enjoyed was... Uh, when he's on the couch, he's like, "Detective, other than confessing a murder, <laughs> is there a point to this conversation?" <laughs> I love that too. So it's good. very de- his humor is very deadpan. That's what I liked about. Oh, him. it's so good. Oh no, yeah. I mean, like even <laughs> even after JC goes through that, what we we're kind of touching on before goes through that whole speech about like I'm just trying to be your friend. And, yeah, you know, and fuck you. And then he goes. You know, then he just like sits there for me. He's like, no, fuck you. You know, and they just kind of go back and forth. Like, mm-hmm. it feels that to me feels so like a real conversation. Well, not a lie. That was my, f- uh, might be my favorite scene in the whole film. It's a crazy oh, scene. I don't know yeah. why. The John, the John I re- Hughes scene? Yeah. 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 Like, there's mm-hmm. a part of me that I was kind of like, like fucking like Breakfast when Club. When it's a great like a, way to put when it. When I was like in theater class, that would have been a sick, like, fucking monologue <laughs> to do. Right, like a little bit. Like if you did that as a scene, right, in like yeah. some black box theater room, right. Like I don't know why. I remember kind of being like, it's kind, it's fucking ridiculous what he's saying. Right. But at the same time, like it's it's this serious moment in the film. And you're right, Cody, right on the right on the nose. Like it feels very John Hughes. There's two moments of yeah. that with with JC too, which I think Chris was alluding to earlier. But I have some questions, so I want to get it, kind of get into the movie a little bit here too. But. uh uh, is when he is on the tape recorder. Right. You know? Yeah. That's like a very heavy... I like that yeah. scene. A emotional, lot. Yeah. Like emotional scene, scene in this so movie. Like, it knows where to tone it. It, knew, it. The film knew exactly where to throw those in, but still be fun enough, but serious enough too right. at the same time, which I think is great. Uh, how do you guys think this relates to or, or maybe compares to some of the other films that kind of came out around its era, like around like uh, maybe like Critters, Maximum Overdrive, you know, The Comet, The Wraith? Like, do you think it's... I think this one stands out a little more uniquely because of so much of the like 50s B-movie elements that are mixed in and how much he paid homage to so much other like bygone era films, you know? I think that this one stands out. All I can say is I feel like having seen all of those films and fairly recently, I feel like this film holds up the best out of all of those films. I'd agree with that. Do you think that might be, maybe Mike, you can answer this one. Do you think that might be because of, I know we haven't gotten to like technical asses yet, but maybe because of the effects and just that <laughs> the, the 
cheesiness of it. Like, like they <laughs> did you say technical asses? No, ass wow. balls. <laughs> I mean, did I say technical you asses? Said technical asses. <laughs> yeah, maybe technical. I don't like, know. Let's talk about those technical asses, though. <laughs> <laughs> they were technically very nice. <laughs> no, I'm just and saying, they were like, asses. knowing knowing that they were paying homage to like 50s and and stuff like that with the 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 effects, like. I, I don't know. I think that's why the effects hold up is because you know that they're supposed to be effects and look kind of like effects. I I, get, I know exactly you what know you're saying? saying right now. Um, yes, and sorry to take this from you, Mike, but <laughs> the I, the reason it does hold up is because it's paying homage to fifties. Like there there's a certain thing where it's like if if a movie takes place in a you know, in a, in a dated era, it becomes timeless because you're already accepting the fact that it's in the fifties. Right. And then it has, it carries that tone even through the eighties. It kind of carries that kind of tone with the rest yeah. of the film. So I think that's it's what an updated helps version keep it. Of it. It doesn't feel like I'm watching a movie and it feels painfully fucking eighties. It feels like I'm watching a movie that could, could have been a B movie from the fifties or the sixties or seventies. Like it kind of has some of that, the, those elements to it, which is what helped propels it to be feel timeless. Yeah. I, like I agree a little bit, but I also agree, disagree. I'm sure you do because, like, I mean, yeah, the the first beginning of this is very 50s, but then it's just the 50s and the 80s. You yes. know, like they do that. <coughs> um, I think, I think this this genre is very popular at this moment. Like this whole like sci-fi thing, like Weird Science comes out right before this. And a number of other movies, like like uh, I think uh, Night of the Comet comes out in 1984. Um, yeah. Like this is like a common thing. Like the 80s are full of like these weird, like pseudo like horror sci fi kind of actions, but a lot of them are very very slapsticky and very very this. Now this one I feel comes a little bit later, like 1986, like in the mid mid area of this. So it, I feel like for for Fred Decker to sell this film, it's an easy sell. Um. What he does with the film is something that's unique, where he takes that '80s that that a common a common type of film that was coming out that time, and he takes it and he really like pays homage to these '50s films to like sci-fi, and not only that, but like slasher films and 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 zombie films. Like it's oh, he it's- takes almost every like really popular film that isn't popular at this time, and somehow jams him into what essentially is a very like I hate to say cookie cutter yeah, sci-fi eighties teen like thing and he makes it R rated. Which is different than a lot of those other films as well. Yeah. There was definitely some scenes in this too that made me think back on the Prowler. Like just you yeah. know, I mean mm-hmm. the the, soror- the whole sorority idea, the way it was shot, like I mean it was a little bit more uh yeah. campy than the Prowler, but mm-hmm. like it. It definitely Prowler's was influenced by those sororities. Prowler's kind of the same film, though, where it starts in the 50s and ends in the 80s, but even though I, I, I even feel to this day, like, all the scenes in the 80s, like, still felt kind of like it was still in the 50s. Like, it never fucking grew out of it, you know what I mean? He also this was, movie's different, sorry, this movie's yeah. different from the other films, though, in the 80s, for sure, because it carries a much different tone and a much different blend of themes with it than like something you can name Night of the Comet. I don't feel like Night of the Comet was nearly as slapsticky as this movie. No. Like it definitely had more of like the sci-fi horror element to it for sure, but it didn't have everything, you know what I mean, like that this movie had. Well, I feel like Weird Science had this feel. Yeah, but Weird Science 
That's weird, more weird, of a comedy weird sci-fi science than had, a horror. I don't even think I feel like this feels like weird science to me that much. See, I kind of did because it's like two kids, it's like two main kids, and it's like this this situation that happens, and then it's involved with like um like maybe it's just the difference between a, like the a director's tone. Maybe is the, the is the no, differing I'm factor. Like, but I didn't I'm just saying see like it. the genre of the the. The it like the threefold like comedy sci-fi horror thing during this area like I feel like this is the prime area of this of that type of genre. I also think that the two main characters do resemble like uh, Anthony Michael Hall yes. and whoever else who was who played the other character. <sighs> Yeah, the other guy. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, they kind of look. I mean, he that, that Chris kind of does look like Anthony Michael Hall a little bit. Uh, it like, looks like uh, Robert Downey Jr. No, not wrong, wrong, like, wrong guy. Like but young wrong guy, Robert but Jr. you yeah. still nailed it. Who's He's the in Bill the movie. Paxton in this movie? Brad. Oh Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about Night of the Creeps. I'm sorry. I didn't know that it was here. Hold this. You feel better. Good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Shit. All right, so let's get into some of the technical aspects, if we can, please, because I'm excited to talk about uh, that stuff with the special effects, the lighting, the camera work, like all of it. I am a huge, huge fan of. Uh, For me, especially, I think the special effects are the, the Shining Wizard. You get the slugs, which were... Cheap, like brilliantly cheaply done, like well, they I don't just know if put it was them like on fishing wire or something. Pretty much, or like magnets. It was like moved it down the thing. It was like in grass and stuff like that. It was on fishing wire, and then uh, they had like track cars underneath it for like uh, hmm. um, concrete and stuff like that. So they they could like zip them across the that's the room. Yeah, it was like that's genius. Like they just they did so many smart things. I feel like with special effects on the, with this yeah. budget. Again, those weren't CG. They had like a very realistic look to them, in my opinion. You know, like the practical is always the way to go. Always the way because you to know go. they would do that shit now. I mean, like Slither is the only other movie I could think of that probably had a little CG, t- you know, going on there, and it looked good. Like I actually did it well, but this like I would go with this this method hands. Oh, down. like I love the head cracks, even like the uh, the the zombie that um, that Tony uh, Tony Atkins. I was gonna say Tom Atkins. Uh, you son of a bitch! I killed you already. Oh, like, the serial killer. Yeah, the serial mm-hmm. killer. Like that looked fantastic. Speaking of which, can I just ask this question? Why, Why did, did that thing come to life? No idea. It was buried. Did a slug, you know, wiggle its way down? I I guess that's the only thing I could gather from it. Like I understand the reason of putting it in there in terms of like a screenwriting, like right. like a story following kind of thing. But like I don't. Yeah, you're right. I don't. I as like it was okay, buried wait. with a house on top. We get we get we gotta talk <laughs> about the lore of this for a second because it confuses me to some extent. So these slugs eat brains. That's clear because they go directly into that basement and eat a a barrel of these motherfucking <laughs> brains that yeah. are in this sorority that they're keeping, right? Yeah, they basically, uh, they lay their eggs in the brain and then what my gathering is is that the young ones eat the brain. But this is like a, this is like a corpse from like 1950, this is like a 30-year-old corpse. Right. 
So it only I feel like it only exists as a plot device of some sort. Well, to be fair, like the end of the movie kind of alludes to the fact that like okay, like this is a thing that they can do. There's definitely a thing they can do mm. because they invade a cemetery. Like that's the end of this film. The opening of w- right. w- what could be a possible sequel. Was there a sequel? No. Mm, oh. Yeah, unofficially there's a sequel. There's some f- film called Zombieland or some shit, but like in Germany they called it uh Night of the Creeps 2. Zombieland with with Woody Zombie World or Zombie Park or some shit like that. Is that like a Troll Two thing where it's like we're just it gonna is. adopt it the is. name? But they it's did. Not gonna they adopted the name because it was a kind of a similar movie, but it's not a direct sequel. It's not an official sequel in any way. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, yeah. no, they ever they never did. They never did actually make figure out where that was going. But as I understood it, the sequel would involve these slugs. Getting away, getting into a cemetery, and bringing the dead right. from their graves. I feel like the rules don't <laughs> don't work all the time in the in the lore. Then it doesn't like, because you know, like there's dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, but I mean, if you can get a cool shot, get a cool shot. <laughs> if, if you, you get, get a, if you get a cool shot of an alien spacecraft spotlight on a cemetery, and then that's what you yeah. Get. If you can get a cool shot, that was a fucking cool which, by the way, I, is a clear. I feel like a, a clear homage to Plan Nine. Isn't that like the entire fucking movie is like them looking for their spaceships flying over right graveyards and bringing the dead back to life? Mm-hmm. I felt like that was even almost bigger than actually seeing the actual movie on a on a on a screen, right? To some extent, that must have just been model work. I'm guessing, yeah, like all of that, right? Oh yeah, love that shit, dude. It looks fantastic. I mean, even the slugs, though. I mean, they look they look so good that. Even to me, I was like, I know it's not CG, but like, I don't know why it just has such a real look to it. Like, it's the movements they get is pretty cool. They move pretty well. And they speed up the camera a little bit to make it look, yeah, extra fast, extra creepy. Well, that and like, the, like, like I said before, like the head splitting, splitting open, and like them falling yeah. out is really cool. Like, I liked all the gore effects. For oh sure. yeah, dude, when the guy gets half his face shot off, and he's like, gotta catch a, I can't catch a break, and he blows like half of his yeah. face off. Oh, yeah. Like I'm like, oh, that's so sick. Mm-hmm. Like their effects in this movie are and like the uh one with the like the face just ripped off, Brad. With his face just ripped off walking around. That was Brad? Pretty sure that's Brad. Yeah, he was blonde, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blondie. Oh, I thought uh, Brad no, Brad got Brad got shot and burned in front of the sorority house. The girl. Yeah. That's true. It must have been one of the his eyes were friends. all whited out. It was mm. one of the it was one of the other douchebags from the fraternity. <laughs> it was I thought it was the guy that she was Wait, are we talking about the guy that got killed? Um, the guy with no face. He's got zero face, Mike. There's no face zombie. Oh, that, it's not that, that guy. They just, that they just, they just uh, you know, this is one of the ones they deal with in the yard once the whole zombie siege scene happens. You know when they're, like, they're trapped in like the uh, little uh, hut? Not a hut. Tra- tool the, shed? Yeah. Dude, that's so funny. Isn't, isn't there one scene where like he shoots it in the head and it doesn't break apart? Yeah, that was that's, that's the one Cody I was talking, was talking about. about. The, when they we shoot, shoot off side of his face. face. What's that all about? Because he shot off side of the face. He didn't hit the head. He, he missed. That's how it was. That's yeah. how they were playing it off. Yeah, he okay. missed. I was like, I was like, why did the rules not apply here? Yeah, that that didn't apply. That's, a, that's, a, that's a mini boss. But I do like yeah. the fact too that the slugs like just like once they're done with the body, they just open it up and move on to the next house. Well, they're like yeah. a Hydra. Like it's like, I, I imagine it's like one goes in and then like you kill it and then three more come out. Yeah. So it's like, no matter what you do, it just keeps multiplying, multiplying. and multiplying and multiplying. 
It was really cool. That shed scene, I, it felt a little out of place to me. And then I went and read that that was actually um, shot after the after the initial shoot, like because they did a test audience with the film. Oh, it bombed with test and, audience, and they and they felt it needed more action, so they went back and shot that shed scene, which I did feel. It was a bit. It seemed a bit weird. It seemed uh, a little forced again the, to me. The shed scene. Yeah, I'm like they're cramming into this little tiny shed. So like I'm not lie. that was that was the most. I love that scene. Yeah, anxiety <laughs> ridden scene I had. Really, it was, I uh, love that scene. I thought it was great. And then they up and it's like they got the, a bad the, place to be. They got the lawnmower and, going on yeah. and stuff. And the like, hammer. Yeah. And the hammer was sick too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I it, really it, it, it didn't sell me. It didn't sell me for some reason. I thought it could have. been. I thought it was hilarious. Like just cramming this girl with a flamethrower. On her back in a tiny little space. Yeah, I, I, saw, I thought that, that that I, that was the thing I thought I liked the most about it because I'm just like, really, this is the this is what you 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 worked your ass off to break a lock to get into a yeah. fucking two by two room. Like, yeah. fucking run, <laughs> you better off running. Well, and that fighting that she was doing on top of that zombie was pretty uh, not convincing, actually. I'll say. Like, and then, you know, when he shows up with the lawnmower, suddenly she can get away, you know? Like, she can spring away well, yeah, from yeah, dude. Him. He's got a lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Your adrenaline kicks in. You just... Yeah. Well, she was unable to move right before that, <laughs> and now suddenly he's coming with a lawnmower, yeah, and she gets you her... break off. the wrist, Chris, and you walk away. No, she didn't break the wrist. She put her hand... <laughs> she put her hand over the zombie's mouth and was like, shh, and then she just got up and moved. The, I do have a problem with that scene too because I'm like, well, these things can just shoot the slugs out of their mouths. Yeah. So their mouths open the whole time. Like the only one who really protects themselves is is Tom yeah, Atkins but, with but, the tape. But what's funny about that scene though is I still got anxiety because I was like, oh, her oh, fucking yeah. mouth's open. Close your fucking mouth. Like so, I like bought into the to the lore into that scene. Did anybody get the impression with JC that like it also they could also go the other way around? Like they could enter through, through the, the back. Butthole? Through the butthole? Through the butthole, why? Because one goes up his pant leg, and I'm not saying that that's the one. It's clearly that there's another one that goes up his mouth Right. when he's laying on the floor. I know what you're saying, because I thought the same thing, but but after that scene, I was like, oh, it was just trying to find its way up. They can't get in there. I felt like it was just a a creepy thing to have yeah. a slug crawl up somebody's pants. It leg. certainly was while taking a dump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, the worst, I, it's always the worst time to have horror. I really thought happened. there was going to be a ghoulie situation going on there. Yeah, no, I also enjoyed the. Uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, I think the the soundtrack's pretty good to this movie. Um, so good, you don't even notice it. I never. I don't actually. I actually don't think I remembered any music. I'm going to tell you right now. I thought that every. F- okay, and maybe I'm probably going to get slack for this, but. I felt like every song in this just felt like another song. Right, it sounded like another song. The only thing that I was that I was expecting to happen, which didn't happen, which if people looked at my Instagram, there's in the bathroom scene when he's sitting there, there's the most hilarious shit ever written on the wall, which is striper like rule. striper rules, yeah. and it's like fucking striper, like Christian heavy metal band. That's so yeah. fucking funny, yeah, that, dude. Striper I was like, rules. did they do like a song in this movie? No, they didn't. They no. didn't do anything at all. Somebody no. just somebody on set was like. What are college kids into? Striper, <laughs> obviously striper. So yeah, I do want to say that like the uh, so when the alien is uh, taking the uh, what the experiment, yeah, so to speak, and running away, uh, and running away from it, I, I could have swear that that song sounds. I it's tw- that 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 song appears twice in the film. It sounds like the the fucking 
Death Star song from yes, it Star does. Wars. I thought the same thing. Like it sounds like that, but like like just bastardized. slightly different. Yeah, no, I think that was the point of the music in this film was to like again we're paying homage to films that because he even like cited like Jaws as one of his favorite films and using influences of Jaws in this film. Mm-hmm. So I think he he just took that he Quentin Tarantino the fuck out of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, he just took what he loved and then like put small tweaks on it to make it his own, which I think is that's why I don't know, like I like it like I can like the music because yeah, I do see that aspect of it in a lot of the music in this. It's like you do go, that does kind of sound a little bit yeah. like something else. I did not hear any of the music, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely remember the Star Wars thing because I thought I had the same thought. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is that sounds too familiar? And I'm a huge fan of the writing of this movie. Like just to not lose sight, I feel like, of the characters except for again. You know, Atkins is is the I feel like is the loose cannon in this one, but the other characters seem very grounded and, and realistic, and then and then to not like keep the humor along with it with what's going on, I just thought it was very well done, but not like not like it seemed like reasonable humor if that makes sense for well, like the story real. they're in. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't know we we've kind of brought up a few times, but I feel like Slither has a similar kind of. Uh, dialogue style. Let me yeah, ask you this I question. Agree. Do you think that uh, Slither was somewhat influenced by this movie? <laughs> I'm sure. Really? I'm sure it's he, like the he's same a fan movie. of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the same Yeah, I mean, movie. It's, it's the same plot device, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the same alien type creature. I mean, the, yeah. the difference is, I mean, actually, even, I mean, I was going to say the difference is they're not zombies in Sliver, but sure they, shit, there are. Yeah. yeah, sure there shit, is. there are. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is the pile of slugs in Slither was, uh, was, was, in, a, was the first guy that got infected, whereas this is just a pile in a corner of a fucking basement. Yeah, those effects. I heard they weren't very happy with that. I thought it looked good. That final scene, I actually convincing. thought it looked pretty good. No, there's like a weird thing that like they're doing. They all reach out and start getting all as soon as he like lights the light. Okay, they know they're moving like in a weird like perpendicular pattern. Mm -hmm. Right. I was like, why are they moving? Because that's what technology can do in the '80s, Mike. I guess perpendicular. What did you guys think of like the end with Tom Atkins stumbling out, burned, and then hitting the ground, and then a slug coming out? Oh, great! Sequel. Sequel. I feel like yeah, that was all I felt like the only reason they did that. Yeah, I feel, Although, I feel like is, if any scene was added after the fact, I feel like that was. And then, and then the film made five hundred thousand dollars, and they were like, "No, nah, we're good." <laughs> <laughs> Too low. Too low. I agree. Like it's weird. I I don't know. Maybe it was maybe marketing or I don't. Maybe what was like coming out it? alongside of this? I'd like to know. Maybe it was some huge six. Maybe it was some big ass movie, and it just got overshadowed. There are some big ass movies coming. There out. are. There are like a lot of films in this genre came out at this time. Um, so it had some competition, I'm sure. So it released on August 22nd, which uh, Dead Ed Driving came out, Extremities, Night of the Creeps, uh, The Peanut Butter Solution, oh, Reform Schoolgirls, uh, School Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Thrashing, and Touch and Go. Well, everybody was at te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre Oh, I thought you were going to say everyone was at Thrashing. Hold on. The, now, the week before it, though, had uh, Armed and Dangerous. It had The Boy Who Could Fly, The Fly, Manhunter, and the oh, whoopsie boys. <laughs> I don't the even fly, know. The flying the manhunter alone, man. That probably. Yeah, that's Texas probably. Chainsaw Massacre 2 came out, but you know what else came out during this this year? Was uh, uh, Invaders from Mars. It's also a Toby Hooper film. Came out two films in 1986. Really? I did not know that. 
Yeah, it looks like it. See, what do you guys say that we rate this Mamber Jam? All right. Let's do it. Do it. We should rate it slugs. Have we done that? Did we do that? What did we do with Slither? Did we do slugs? We did the plush octopus or whatever. Yeah, let's do slugs. All right, Mike, what do you rate Night of the Creeps? I'm going to rate Night of the Creeps maybe a three and a half. I guess a little bit better than average, right? Yeah. Okay. So, like, Night of the Creeps, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I totally understand, like, the cult following behind it and stuff like that. And there are a lot of things that I like about the film. But, like, there's also a part of me that feels like it's very self-conscious of itself. It's like aware, self-aware. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, a self-aware film. Like, it's tough. Like, when you talk about cult films and stuff like that, it's really difficult when, when, when it feels like they're trying to make a cult film. And I kind of feel like this film has that feeling. It feels a lot like that Tim Burton film, um, what is it, Inv- uh, Mars Attacks? Mm-hmm. Like, Mars Attacks is like kind of a cult film, but it's like trying really hard to be that thing. Mm-hmm. That's what this film feels like. It feels like a Mars Attacks. Like, hey, let me take a bunch of films that I that I love, and then like just jam them into one film, and then kind of like go balls to the wall with it, and uh, maybe people will love it. In this case, they didn't until many years later. Don't get me wrong; I definitely feel like this film deserves to be in the annals of cult film. Um, but it's not an accidental cult film. It's not a troll too. It it doesn't have that feel to me, and. Some of the performances are weak. It suffers from a lot of the same weird 80s tropes that, like, aren't, what's the, like, they're not great, you know? So, yeah, I'm going to give it a, a three and a half. That's a three and a half from Mike. Let's go to Kyle. Um, I'm also going to give this movie a three and a half. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I thought the, I thought the, the way that the director blended in different elements of, like, 50s B movies, like I've already said before, I think that is, Great! I love that he was paying homage to the to those 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 old school sci fi m- movies while bringing in horror elements and zombie and a zombie film all wrapped up in one. I liked all of that. I think that the reason this one doesn't get like a four or, or go any higher for me because I feel like what this movie does, Slither did better, and I rated Slither much higher. I think I gave that a five if I remember correctly. So. I think it has all of those cool elements of Slither, but I think Slither executed a little bit better. The characters were a little tighter. Um, their interactions were tighter. The comedy was, was, was a little tighter. And, like, the lore was a little more fleshed out. Whereas, like, you know, like, this seems like, oh, these slugs feed on brains. But they're still going to bring a body from the 50s uh, out of the earth, which is underneath a house, back to life. Which, you know, you know what I mean? So... I just I, I enjoy this movie. I'm gonna watch it again for sure, but it just doesn't get just doesn't get a four or five, so three and a half for me. Chris? I don't know why, like uh you know, I I've been kind of going back and forth. I, I don't know what I didn't know which way I was leaning. Um so I'm glad that we could all talk about it because it's interesting to hear everybody else's perspectives on the film. Um I'm giving this movie a four and a half. I really, really enjoyed this film. I'm so glad that I finally got to see it. It wasn't anything I was in a super rush to to go watch. I know we talked about doing it for probably a while now on the show. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of pissed that I never picked this up as a, you know, as a teenager. Um, but I love the comedy in this film. Um, I really love 95% of the characters in this film. The only one I think I could do without is Cynthia. Um, could have could have been a different actress and just made it even that much better, but um, yeah, I love 
I don't know. I just love the vibe of this film. I do like that it has like all these elements like mixed together from all these other films that um, that we we've grown to love, and you know everything from John Hughes to obviously he went on to do Monster Squad, and then you know to even see like where Slither was probably inspired from, which I, I really like that film as well. I mean, it just it captured a a, a feeling like man. Like, I wish I could have lived in this time period or I wish I could have gone to see movies like this in the theaters. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I recommend it if you're just wanting to see a fun horror movie, a horror comedy, really. Um, you know, there's not there's not much much to it as far as, you know, it being a deep film or anything. But the pacing was just right for me. The colors were just right for me. The characters were just right for me. And yeah, the only reason I'm knocking it in a, a half is because I just didn't like the love interest. I'll give it a, a, a four and a half. Also, um, I think this movie is just fun as hell, dude. Like it's just fun, and like I'm not gonna knock it because they brought us up body back from the '50s. I mean, it's just it's already outlandish with the the weird aliens at the beginning. It's just I don't I don't know I I have a lot of fun with this film and I think it's like a quintessential like captures somehow captures this the like 80s perfectly in this weird shell of different genres of films like older you know what I mean like older films and like riffing off of older films I do think it is self aware but I think that's why a lot of people may have not gotten it why it came out like I think that's part of its charm is being self aware and like making fun of itself a little bit and making fun of or making fun of other films. Uh, I would put this as almost as a satire, like. No, it definitely is. Yeah. It's just, I can't imagine. No, I, I, I can't imagine the audience like didn't get that it was. Oh, I can't. It's not like, <laughs> like they didn't ever see a fifties. They definitely saw them. That's not true, dude. I ask kids today about movies that came out in the nineties, and they're like, "I've never heard of that." Like, yeah, but they would know if something is being knocked off the nineties. I feel like people saw Stranger Things and said, "Oh, I understand. This is coming from a different era." Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah I get yeah, that. You're right, you're right. Like, I just don't think that. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't. Don't ask. I have no idea why audience didn't connect to this. It's a very fun film. I completely agree with yeah. you on that. And like this, the the one liners are memorable and fun to quote with. And like, I don't know. I feel like the more you watch it, the funner it gets. Too. It's just one of those films. So four and a half for me. Um, that's our show for this week, guys. Make sure you go to our website at www.cultfilmandreview.com. You can get all our episodes on there. Make sure you follow us on social media at cultfilm underscore review on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can follow Kyle. You can follow me on Instagram at cultfilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at cultfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. And you can follow Mike at MySaluceDio on Twitter. And you can follow me at VHSCollect on Instagram. Remember, guys, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week.